Welcome to Moments That Rock, part of the Pantheon group of podcasts. I'm your host, Tony Michaelidis, and if you didn't know, we now have a revised version of Moments That Rock. We're going out weekly, and we're going to have one guest on the show. It's going to run between 15 and 18 minutes, and we'll just keep pumping around every week, probably the same time. I've not decided exactly when. Today's guest, a gentleman called Chris Difford. He'll describe what he's been doing for the last 50 years, but I know him from his squeeze days. He was one of the finest songwriters in the UK, made some great records, and they had a huge amount of success. But we'll leave it to him. Hey, I'm Chris Difford, and I have a podcast for the charity Help Musicians in the UK, and uh, I'm very pleased to be here. My background is uh, I've been writing songs for 50 years and celebrating this year, the 50th year. I've been writing with Squeeze for all of that time. We've done hundreds of tours, as people probably know and had 14 albums and um, it's been quite a journey and my solo career is also taken off as well so I'm very happy. Excellent so take us back to to those early days how you kind of because you were known as you wrote pretty much all the lyrics didn't you and, and um, Glenn kind of wrote the music. Yeah at the beginning I, I wrote all the lyrics and um, we went to see Elton John play actually at Wembley once and on the way home, I said to Glenn, I think I want to be like Bernie Tolpin and just stay at home and write the lyrics. But he wasn't having any of that. He wanted me to be in the band and and um, consequently, that's what happened. It's it's quite funny because you kind of came out in the kind of the whole punk era, but you weren't really a punk band. Yeah, I, I, you know, we were on the outskirts of New Wave, if you like, if that could be a thing. Um, we're definitely not punk, but... Um, I remember coming to America for the first time and, you know, it, we really didn't fit in, in in any genre, I think. And that's probably uh, stood us in good stead over the years. So we've gone from sort of touring around in jeans and T-shirts to wearing smart suits. Um, but, um, you know, I'm just as comfortable in a T-shirt and a pair of jeans. You were kind of around the same time as... as- Police, I know it's on your own podcast, you've had Sting on and stuff and things. And it's weird because I was just reading your Wikipedia page and stuff. And um, you weren't as successful initially in America because if I'm if I'm right, the police broke in America before they broke in the UK. I'm proud to say we did probably the majority of the groundwork because we came over to America and toured for two or three months before the police were even born. Um and our manager, Miles Copeland, would knock on radio stations, stores, and try and get them to play different music, you know, English, UK music, including Squeeze. Um, and turns out that the police did exactly the same tour, but just a few years after us. Um, their songs were more commercial, I guess, um, and they managed to just hit the right note at the right time. And it's interesting because you had some quirky titles for, for song titles. I wonder where you got your inspiration from for some of the song titles, like Cool for Cats. And Yeah, um, my inspiration comes from sitting and observing what's going on in life, I suppose. And, you know, I always like to try and keep it a little bit quirky because that's the nature of, of who I am. I like to be slightly sort of more on the edge than in the centre of things. But um, that's probably why we've never had too many people cover our songs. That's not a bad thing, though. I mean, because unless you're right, I mean, if you're 
you know, I, I like cover versions when they're completely different. Like, you know, All on Watchtower by Dylan, All on Watchtower by Hendrix are quite different. Yeah. And then you get, I yeah, mean, obviously yeah. the point in doing a cover when it's exactly the same. It's kind of see what you're coming from, but... um well, actually, Hurt by um, Johnny Cash. Even Trent Reznor says, I can't believe that's my song when I heard it by Johnny Cash. Well, I was going to say that there are, the, uh, uh, you know, there are songs like Hurt that um, just stand out, and whenever I hear it, I think of Johnny Cash rather than Trent. But What, what were your influences then, going back to picking up a guitar and deciding that you want to be a singer-songwriter? Yeah, but I was all over the place. I think teenagers are. You know, you don't really know what you're chasing. You know, I could have gone f- from the MC5 to Leonard Cohen overnight, you know. So, you know, I was all over the place. It didn't really matter because it meant that I was absorbing all kinds of music all of the time. And I think that's that's a really healthy thing. Yeah, I noticed the um, when I was reading up, doing my kind of, you know, homework, I, I noticed Jake Rivera manager because, like, in the 70s, I was working with... Um, uh, Stiff Records, you know, so I, I can see the Elders of Cello connection through Jake and Dave Robinson. Yeah, Jake was a splendid manager. I really enjoyed him being around. He was uh, imaginative and forceful, and I think that's very good uh, tributes for a manager. So so Miles was um, obviously a good introduction to A&M because he was managing you and the police at the same time. Well, he managed us on A&M before the police was signed. Um, his relationship with Jerry Moss was pretty close, I think. Um, but it was a no-brainer signing the police, I would have thought. Their music was so radio-friendly, and they looked great. So, you know, when there's only three of you and you're all dye your hair blonde, it's pretty easy to get on the telly. <laughs> Good one. Yes, I like that. Um, it's funny, really, because I look back in, in those days, and it was kind of a halcyon period for music. There was so much amazing stuff coming out of the UK and so many diverse different bands. You know, that obviously you guys came out of London, but there weren't as many bands. I mean, I can think of, like, The Clash, The Kinks, you, and then I really just have to start thinking for, for like, a capital city. Well, I don't know. I kind of disagree because, you know, where I lived, there was music in every pub on every street corner in those days, and it was good, bad, and indifferent, but you had Ian Jury, you know, you had Nick Lowe, Elvis Costello, um... You know, yes, you had The Clash, of course, but, you, you know, you had all sorts of younger bands too, like The Jam, XTC. I mean, there, there was a lot of lot of music around. Actually, now you remember, now you mention all those. Did you, um, were you influenced by a label like Stiv? My musical taste could swing in so many different directions, you know, from Kraftwerk, Frank Zappa to James Taylor. It didn't, you know, I've always been open to music being diff- different um i never really stuck on one thing and uh, i think that's kind of oh, that's been good for me i think that's great because I, I was the complete opposite because when i was going to school i was growing my hair you know and i got into the whole kind of led zeppelin deep purple and all that but at the same time i didn't associate myself with with um stuff like you know otis redding and wilson pickett and sam and dave and then when i got older and my taste expanded. I thought, oh, my God, I missed out on all that. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. 
Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. I think it's really cool. At that age, as a teenager, you kind of were open to all sorts of things. Did you always have a passion for writing songs? Uh, yeah, it's always been um, my hobby, if you like. Um, and part of my ambition was to write songs when I was a kid. Um, so yeah, it's always been it's always been there or thereabouts in my life. Tell us a little bit more about about you getting involved with this uh, musicians charity. Help musicians. Um, um, and myself came together during COVID lockdown and I filled some time and helped them out by running songwriting workshops on Zoom, which I did every other week for the best part of the year, I guess. And I got to meet some incredible writers um, and a lot of really great songs were written. It was really good fun to do. And so we've been buddies ever since. And, um, I went to them with the idea of having my own podcast and I gave them a list of people and um, that I would feel comfortable talking to. And and uh, luckily enough, pretty much all of them have um, 
come to the table. So I've been very lucky. There's a very strong connection, I think, with people and music. But tell us some of the moments that rocked your world, some pivotal moments in your career that uh, you really talk about. Because for me personally, I don't think until the roller coaster stopped that I really sat back and thought, wow, that was quite a ride. It always changes and it always um, is um, exciting and interesting. I don't think there's any moment in in time that I would look back to and say this was that this was what happened and launched the band or launched our songwriting career. I think you know I did a gig last night and, and really for me that's been the pivotal. Uh, event of my year so far playing my own show and um you know i think it changes i don't i can't look i don't really like looking in the rear view mirror and picking out things that um sort of excelled me as a writer i kind of just take each day as it comes and um i'm very fortunate to have had lots of great touring experiences and it's been wonderful touring with a band like Squeeze because there's so many different people that have been in and out of the band that I have a lot of respect for Um, because it's the sum total of the musicians that make up the band that um, really are important. You were blessed with a couple of great managers. Um, So how did you get into management then with with Brian Ferry? Um, I, I mean, it's... Disrespectful to say I was a manager, really. I was kind of like PA to him. And um, I have to say it was a fantastic time. I really enjoyed working with him. I think he's uh, an amazing person, uh, hugely talented, obviously, and someone who I admire from afar now. But at the time, I I was lucky to admire him over a cup of tea every day. So, you know, he was just a really... A gracious human being and very creative. Well, I, I could, you know, you probably obviously knew him better than I did, but I interviewed him in, in my radio days and he was a very humble guy. You had a few changes yeah. in Squeeze, didn't you, with Jules leaving? And Yeah, we've had, as I said before, it's kind of, we got the talent that has been in and out of Squeeze has been remarkable and it's really, you know, we can write songs or um, but you know you need a good band to record them and to take them to the stage and we've been lucky in that respect did you write songs that you didn't think at times were squeeze songs and offered them up to other people or publishers came to you no um within the the realms of squeeze we've always only written for squeeze um, it's always we've never been awkwardly asked to write for anybody else. Um, I've often wondered about it, but I have to say it's kind of um, you know we're very eclectic writers. It's not everybody's cup of tea, so you're not going to get R and B artists sort of phoning us up for songs. We don't write like that. And lyrically, I'm very individual. I suppose so I can't imagine people really wanting. Uh, that kind of stuff, you know, I think they, they need to go to pop writers for that. I mean, you were out there leading, you and you and Glenn leading your own band and stuff, but I know from my own personal experience, I one of the things I look back on is I worked um, with Chris Blackwell, I worked with Armid Ertigan, I worked with Jerry Moss and Herb Alpert, 
um, you were coming through at a time when record labels were running were run by music people rather than accountants and lawyers. Do you really think that that benefited you because of the time you were at? Yeah, we're very lucky um, to be signed at a time when people were interested much more in music than they are today. I don't think I think record companies are still interested in music. It's just dip, more difficult for them to sell it. So. Um, you know, they have their hands tied behind their uh, backs. You know, I think um, the music industry is a different place today, but it's it's really good for young people that have got the willingness to try something different, to be brave. Um, and, um, you know, I, I think um, like all industries that are tied to the arts, it gets harder and harder for people to enjoy being who they are they've got to be different really yeah it's funny because i at this like i don't want to be this sad old bloke that comes out of the cupboard and says let me tell you when the music industry was great and now we're in a very mm. interesting period as well with ai music because uh, i think that's going to change the industry again a friend of mine sent me something yesterday which was god only knows the beach boys with the beatles singing on it and it just blew my mind and i thought Oh my God! Are we going to have real artists in the next ten years? I haven't heard that. I'd love to hear it. <laughs> I'll send it you. I think there's been so much change, but I think mm. that, that a lot of that, because what you mentioned before, a lot of it is kind of satisfying shareholders and putting records out at, at the best time to sell the most copies and things. And yeah, yeah. Walter Yetnikov wrote a book which I, I really enjoyed. He was talking about. Springsteen come in to see him um, with the Nebraska album and he just released uh, Born to Run, you know, which has been hugely successful. And he comes to that win with this album to play it to the head of the record company. And um, Yetnikov listens to it and he says, I have to tell you, Bruce, this won't sell um, like the last one. But And Springsteen said to him, I understand that, he said, but honestly, Walter, I have to make this record. And he said, I'm totally fine with the head of the record company to let you do this. I'm just making you aware. And then he goes and delivers Born in the USA and the rest is history. And I think that that ability to allow artists to indulge in their in their one passion, which is songwriting, is an incredible ability from a guy who's got to satisfy a huge corporation, which is bigger than the E Street Band and Bruce Springsteen. Hmm. No, amazing story. Is the one particular moment that kind of almost changed your life in what was a pretty amazing career looking back? Um, one moment that changed my life, I can't really say that moments do change my life other than to say playing on a stage like the Pyramid stage at Glastonbury was a very life-affirming moment because we, we did a fantastic set and uh, it was very uplifting to be there. It was very emotional, I have to say. But equally, walking out on stage at Madison Square Garden in New York after lockdown was an incredible experience too. So I'm very blessed with those kind of moments. But equally, playing in a vegan restaurant last last night to 150 people was equally as important to me. <laughs> Um, and I loved every moment of it, although I didn't enjoy the vegan pizza. <laughs> I think that's a great way to end it. It's been great talking to you, Chris. Thanks so much, and enjoy every moment to come. Uh, thank you. God bless you. See you soon. Thanks a lot, Chris. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye now. Bye.
Wonderful. Excellent guy. Very humble and great to talk to him. That was Chris Difford from Squeeze. You've been listening to Moments That Rock with me, Tony Michaelidis, and we're all proud to be part of the Pantheon group of podcasts. Come back next week. Don't forget, this is every week now from now on. Moments That Rock, Tony Michaelidis. I've said that, so I'll go. Bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.